everyone. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And this is This Week in Skating. Now, when Daphne and I started this podcast, part of our vision was to amplify important messages in the sport. As you know, we did just that a few weeks ago after troubling comments were made via the ISU live stream during the women's events for the Junior Grand Prix in Turkey. But we really wanted to go a step further. So today, we are joined by Katie Ulig-Gwalpi. Katie is known as the Ice Dietitian. Katie is a registered dietitian helping skaters and parents optimize nutrition to bring their best to the ice. Katie knows a thing about skating as she is a former competitive and professional skater. She competed, if her name sounds familiar, to those who have attended nationals. She competed in pairs from the juvenile to the senior level, and she medaled at nationals at the intermediate and novice level. So we would like to welcome Katie to This Week in Skating. Welcome, Katie. (laughs) Hi, you guys. Thanks for having me here. I appreciate the invite to, to come on the podcast. Well, we are really excited to have you here because we feel... With those recent comments that we read, I mean, this is not a new issue. This is something that we have seen continually. With the dawn and rise of social media, everyone can be a commentator from their desk or armchair at home. Sometimes there are constructive comments made. Sometimes there are super positive comments made. But there are a number of destructive and negative things that have been said. And I I will report that the ISU decided over the weekend to turn off commentary or chatting during their live streams. And though I think it's difficult to for fans who were being, you know, comment being friendly, being positive. I think it's the only action that they can take at this time. Um, So we really wanted to, yeah, to talk with you about nutrition, to talk about, you know, you were a skater, so you bring that perspective to the table. And we really appreciate that and are excited to chat with you today. Yeah, well, I'm... Oh, I was going to say, I'm glad to hear um, that they disabled the comments. Um, I didn't know that. know know about that news and it is unfortunate for you know fans that do have complimentary things to say and are posting nice things or encouraging things about the skaters um on that note too um it's hard to know sometimes even a positive comment how it could be taken out of context or what that skater is going through so even some of the positive comments you know about a skater or their body um you know, can be damaging. So probably best for, for those to be turned off because that has to be hard for some of the skaters to, you know, look, want to look back at their performance and then have to read some of those comments. So, and those comments were coming in real time and so fast. And I don't think there was any way that you could really monitor those comments. Mm -mm. No Um, way. (laughs) So, I mean, I know, Fans may be disappointed because they felt like they were punished for a few people who were um, giving, you know, disrespectful comments and stuff. And so, but I think 
this is like the best decision because there's just no way unless you had a full-time monitor who could monitor the comments and stuff um this is it would it would take multiple monitors yeah it would because some of the commentary was in foreign languages oh yeah so it's very hard to keep up with but this wasn't really even the first time that this type of thing has happened um, I'm going to mention a, a prior time, last just last year, Gina and I were at this Skate America. We found out that a fan said some really upsetting things to Caitlin Hawaiik at a competition. And she actually came out on Instagram and talked about it. And she, the way she talked about it, the way she explained it and talked through the process of of what it did to her was so poignant she was so poised when she was explaining everything and so that coupled with the most recent events coupled with years of this sort of thing going on and social media being such a big deal this is i think the perfect time to have this discussion And I remember last year when that had happened at Skate America and reading about it in her statement. And I agree, she put it, you know, really elegantly, like what that feels like for a skater um, and how that can, you know, what kind of impact that can have. Um, And I had been just shocked that, especially in person, it's one thing you can, you know, someone is behind their computer, um, you know, it doesn't take much to type a comment, but to say that to a skater, you know, in person um, is really shocking. Um, but, you know, it's kind of embedded in, you know, commenting on body size and appearance. It's kind of embedded in the culture of skating itself. It's going to take a lot to change and social media definitely has only made it worse. Um, you know, it's skaters are more visible. They have accounts people can comment on. Um, now with like the live stream videos of even like the junior events being available, um, when I was competing at juniors, there was no way to watch, you know, the events from home or anything like that. So, um, you know, juniors, or if you weren't on, you know, what was being televised weren't, you know, you weren't really subject to that type of commentary, but now it affects a lot younger skaters, the lower levels as well, um, getting this kind of feedback, um, and yeah, it, before it kind of came from, you would hear it from coaches or other parents. If you weren't hearing it about yourself, you might hear your coach say about somebody else, um, comment on their body size, which only then confirms that people are probably talking about your body size behind your back as well, even if it wasn't directly at you. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, like you said, been amplified with social media and that's, part of the problem I think yeah I think so too social media can be used for good like there are good uses for it but it also can be really negative and not not just for skaters but but everyone like there is mm-hmm. such a I know it's so easy sometimes I think people think oh I don't like that I'm gonna go post something I think sometimes it's better to sit on your hands and not do that. (laughs) Yeah. If something fires me up really bad, what I try to do is I won't comment or I'll write something down and say, okay, if I still 
if I'm still this charged up about it tomorrow, then maybe I'll reword it and post it in a different way. Because I think we all get fired up with stuff that we see. And the, the instant reaction, because of the way that social media is, you can post it just like that. But I, just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Um, so before we dig too deep in, I thought we should go back and just talk a little bit about your skating background for those fans who may not know, or and also for those who did follow you through the sport. Um, when did you get started in skating? And um, yeah, how did that start? Sure. Um, so I started um, when I was eight years old. I probably had been like begging my parents since... I don't know, I was three or four. And finally, at age eight, they gave in and signed me up for lessons, having no idea what, you know, snowball <laughs> effect would, would take. Um, you know, no skating background in the family or anything like that. Um, so I competed pairs, juvenile through senior. Um, and I think by the time I was 11, I had started with pairs and then that just really stuck. I loved it um, and kind of never looked back from there. Even my professional career, um, I continued skating pairs. Um, and I think probably most pair girls can attest to that feeling of flying through the air is pretty addicting. So um, that's easy to get hooked on. Um, and yeah, I had a couple of competitive partners, um, you know, one long partnership that went through intermediate through juniors, and we got a silver medal at novice nationals. That was, I believe, 2003 in Dallas, maybe. Um, was that Dallas? I think I it was Dallas. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't was... feel like that long ago. And then I say those years out loud and it makes me feel so old. <laughs> I know. Yeah. In some ways, things will happen and you think, well, that was just a year or two ago. And yeah. then before you know it, it's been a decade or two. And you're just <laughs> like, it. you're flabbergasted that it's that it's been that long. But I yeah. think it was Dallas. I'm quite sure it was Dallas. I think so. Um, and so, yeah, that was definitely a highlight. We had some fun um, junior Grand Prix seasons. Getting to participate in those events was definitely a highlight. Um, you know, being able to go as a skater and represent your country, that was just, you know, so overwhelming in a good way to get to participate in those. Um, and then my last year competing was 2006. Um, I competed senior pairs at that um, nationals. And that was a new partnership for me. Um, and after that, I switched to doing shows um, and started in show skating, um, which I was kind of hesitant to give skating and shows a try. It never really was, you know, presented to me as much of an option while I was competing, which I think is pretty common. It's not, you know, really advertised as something, you know, as an option or something to do after but it was so much fun. It was so amazing to like get to travel and still be able to, you know, make a living off of skating and um, kind of, you know, get to tap into a whole different side of your skating too. the, you know, a performance side and all the fun pair tricks without the competition regulations. <laughs> um, I love a good bounce spin. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, um, so I spent about 10 years skating in shows and then slowly started to kind of transition into, I'll call it semi-retirement and started going back to school for nutrition um, while, you know, doing less shows and pulling back from that. Now, what shows did you do? Were you on with Disney on ice? I never did Disney. I did a lot of cruise ships. Um, primarily, that was probably the most, um, you know, the most contracts I did were on ships, but also like Bush Garden, SeaWorld, um, you know, different holiday shows, um, things like that. Yeah. I think that people don't realize still that there are those opportunities out there because the transition from competitive skating to post skating life, people may, you know, athletes may not be ready to hang up their skates. They want to keep working. They want to be able to make a living. And before we had, you know, champions on ice and stars on ice was a bigger thing and, mm -hmm. you know, holiday on ice. And there were a few other tours, but I think outside of that scope, people are not, as aware of like the cruise ship opportunities and Bush Gardens, mm -hmm. those yeah. are, you know, even Disney was something that was not as highly, you know, touted as, oh yeah, you can go and do this mm -hmm. and make money and do something that you love every day, which is <laughs> a dream we all have is to be able to go and do something you love every day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. There's a lot of opportunities out there um post competition yeah i think sometimes that's something that's lacking a little bit and this is a conversation for another day because gina and i hope to have a psychologist on at some point to talk about transitions from skating to post skating life because that's another thing that is kind of a muddy area that kind of needs to be scoped out a little bit I think to help. I agree. Yeah. Your identity kind of gets wrapped up in being a skater and it's kind of hard to untangle with, you know, what comes next? What am I going to do next? If mm -hmm. I'm not skating, what am I? Uh, yeah, exactly. that would be a, that'd be a great yeah. episode. So what made you decide to go study nutrition? So it was kind of just a growing interest not I mean not when I was competing I was pretty oblivious while I was a competitor um, when I started doing shows and you know living on my own doing a lot of traveling um, being you know a little bit older and then solely responsible for my nutrition decisions and what I was eating um, you know I started getting a little more interested in how what I was putting in my body affected how I felt and I'm also you know a very very picky eater. My mom probably had a horrible time with me. Um, so learning kind of how to tweak recipes to make it something I would like. And I started to enjoy cooking a little more. Um, it just kind of was an interest that kind of kept growing while I was skating professionally. And when it came time to transition to a new career there, you know, it wasn't really any question what I would enjoy studying because it was something I had, you know, enjoyed learning about on my own this whole time and kind of always looking for a career that would still be able to connect me back to the sport. Nutrition seemed like a good fit to, you know, always be able to tie it back into sports nutrition or work with skaters or, you know, somehow be able to combine the two. So let's go back a little bit to talk about 
when you were when you were skating, the topic of nutrition and how that was discussed or addressed during that time frame, because we're talking about, you know, 2000, early 2000s era through 2006, when you really got into like the junior and senior realm. How was that addressed at that time? It really wasn't that much. Um, I mean, there would be, um, you know, kind of a a smaller component of it to like any of the training camps we did, but it never seemed to be like a huge focus. Um, It wasn't really a focus with, you know, with any of my training or if I ever got injured, I never had like a trainer or a doctor or physical therapist ask what are you doing with your nutrition? Like, is there something off there? Which, you know, to be fair, that's not their scope. That's not what they're trained to look for. But, you know, somebody needs to be to be looking for that and addressing it because it is a big piece of the puzzle. Um, so, you know, one of the main nutrition issues I think I faced when I was a competitor was really just a, a lack of nutrition knowledge or awareness of what I needed um, you know, what was sound advice. I mean, cause you, you know, you get random tidbits from different coaches and, um, you know, they're not nutrition professionals. Um, the nutrition, you know, advice they're giving you might've been something their coach told them and, you know, nutrition information sometimes gets handed down that way. And it's not always, you know, evidence-based advice. It's what they did as a skater maybe, or, you know, like I said, what someone told them to do. Um, so yeah, we didn't really have any background knowledge of nutrition. Um, and like many skaters and skating parents can relate to, we spent a lot of time in the car, a lot of time traveling. Um, there was no time for, you know, home cooked meals or like having dinner at home. Um, so that part's challenging too. And you just, you kind of do the best you can, but without guidance, it, it makes it hard. And I'm sure we got a lot of things wrong. I was injured a lot. Um, going through school, I was able to look back and be like, gosh, I, this would have been helpful to know this, um, you know, kind of even looking back at injuries and being like, oh, like if I, you know, had been doing something different, could I maybe have recovered from that a little better and not had, chronic issues reoccurring because I never really let it peel or I didn't give my body the proper nutrition support it needed to recover and heal and keep up with the demands that I was asking of it. Um, so yeah, we did, you know, we did a lot of fast food. Uh, I probably did definitely have gaps in my diet that with, and you know, with help could have been addressed and, you know, would it's hard to say looking back would some of those injuries not have happened or would your recovery maybe happened faster? You know, that's hard to say maybe, or maybe not, but nutrition, better nutrition definitely wouldn't have hurt me as an athlete. And it's something I was definitely missing. Have you seen an emphasis on nutrition now as we've, you know, now the, recently in skating, um, cause you know, you said not as much of an emphasis back when you were skating, but have you seen the change now? I still feel like it's lacking a lot. Um, you know, when I started ice dietitian, which was pretty recently, 
which I wanted it to be able to provide nutrition education, something, you know, accessible in addition to, you know, seeing clients for nutrition coaching. Um, there isn't, you know, many accounts dedicated to specifically figure skating nutrition. If you look up other sports, there's a ton for gymnastics. There's a ton of specific um, gymnastics dietitians out there working with gymnasts and their parents. And I mean, it's really similar nutrition issues um, that they face, especially with the body image issues and things like that. Um, but there's, I still really don't feel like there's the focus that there should be for nutrition for figure skaters. Um, there's so many uncontrollable factors in skating. I mean, it's a sport that's, you know, it's the most slippery surface <laughs> that you're trying to do all these things on, um, you know, aside from all the other uncontrollables, like what your competitors are doing, the judging, but nutrition is one thing in your training you have 100% control over. Um, so it's kind of crazy to me that that's not being maximized the way it could be with a lot of people because it is the one thing you you can control yeah yeah I was just kind of was always wondering if like skaters you know the top elite skaters were working with dietitians um I had always thought that would be a part of like a coaching team you know you got your coach your choreographer you've got the your off ice coaches and I always thought that that should be an additional person you know just to help you have um, a plan of what, you know, what you should be eating and just monitoring what you're putting in your body. It, you know, it just is, it's a very surprising that it's still not something that should be like part of a coaching team. Yeah, I agree. Other sports have it, you know, football teams have their team dietitian, um, you know, other professional sports do, um, that would be, you know, ideal to have as part of your you know, interdisciplinary skating team. I think in some cases, the bigger training centers have moved to a more collaborative coaching effort, which includes not just, you know, individual like dance instructors, but um, psychologists and dietitians. I think it's becoming, that's ha it's starting to happen. But I think mm -hmm. in some cases, too, it's former competitors who know what they were missing or what mm -hmm. worked, and they're pulling in the pieces that make sense to them. So over time, we may see an increase, but it it takes time. And the fact that it the needle didn't move a lot between when you were skating and now. Which I it, hate to admit how many years that is, but. Yeah. <laughs> It's been a lot. <laughs> I, um, you know, it's kind of disheartening to hear that it didn't move more than it has because over time things change. We learn more through research. More is learned about, well, you shouldn't be doing that. I mean, I think mm -hmm. back to when they didn't realize that smoking was bad for you. And then now it's like, no, it's terrible for you and all the research that's gone into it and how things have changed. Um, and I always forget about that until I'm watching a movie that's so old that they're showing people smoking on a plane and you're just you're like, what? That, that right? It's a reminder. That was how it was. I think in in for athletes, 
it does seem strange that other sports have this, you know, focused effort and skating doesn't. It to me it's a deficiency that needs to be rectified. We need to to change it. Um because you do have to look at food as fuel for your body. Well, that's how I was always in school, which mm-hmm. was even further back. They always presented food as like, this is the fuel for your body. If you eat this, it's not going to fuel your body as much as this will fuel your body. And with athletes, it's different because you're using you're using different muscles and You have to worry about bone density. Like there's so many parts and pieces to it. And I think nutrition is one piece of it. I think body image is another piece of it that is somewhat partially psychological, but it's also partially nutrition, I think can go, can be factored in to helping with that healthy way of looking at yourself. I agree. Yeah. I mean, the the body image, the the way it ends up like manifesting a lot of times, like on the nutrition end is, you know, the skaters are fueling for whatever this ideal body image is that they're looking for. Right. And they're not, you know, the effort is going into that instead of fueling for performance, mm-hmm. which if if that's the goal and you're fueling for a specific body size or to maintain a certain body size, which can be dangerous if it's, you know, a 13 year old trying to maintain body size, they're supposed to grow. Um, you know, you're, you know, you risk operating at a calorie deficit during this training, which puts you at greater risk of injury. Um, like you said, impacts, you know, bone health, um, you know, hormone balance, all sorts of, you know, negative outcomes if, you know, the focus for nutrition is on the wrong thing. Um, so that's, yeah, they are definitely tangled, tangled together. Um, yeah, I also think back to one of the issues that's often come up in skating, especially for women, is when women go from being girls and go through puberty their body changes and that's that's one mentally a very critical time for for a young girl and two it's also a time that people start to notice those changes and make comments mm-hmm. and that's it's dangerous. just rough <laughs> yeah it's so dangerous because you you don't know if the one thing you say is the one thing that you could be saying to someone as you were saying earlier even if you're positive about something it may not have the impact that you're thinking it may contribute to an issue without you realizing when you have the best of intentions it could go the wrong way Yeah, it's definitely tricky. And even like looking back, like, so like a personal example, when I was just getting started in pairs, like I said, I was 11 and a coach at a rink had pairs wasn't really on my radar, but I had been asked by a coach to try pairs, to try out with a boy he had. 
saying I was the perfect size for pears. You're so tiny, you'd be perfect for pears. Well, what happens when, you know, a few years later, you know, you know, those comments stay with you and you remember, like, you remember what someone said to you. And then a few years later, you're like, well, I'm getting taller or I'm not the same size as I was at 11. And I was told I was the perfect size for pears then. Well, what now? And you're not, you know, at 13, 14, I mean, all through your teens, your, your brain hasn't fully developed for a lot of this like rational thought. Um, Mm -hmm. So a lot of things can be taken out of context. You can really internalize a lot of these comments and dwell on them. Um, And, you know, that can turn around and impact, you know, how someone chooses to eat because they maybe want to stay the same size they were when someone told them they were the perfect size for pears. Um, So even comments like that, that were positive, um, you know, it, it's not always helpful. Yeah. I can see where they were probably just, they were trying to encourage mm-hmm. you to yep. do it, but you don't know what's going to stick with you long-term yeah. and how it's going to affect you because you could be 14 and thinking, oh, wait, I'm supposed to have this body. This is the body that I'm supposed to have to be mm-hmm. able to do pairs but I don't have this body. So how am I going to get this body back? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's psychologically. And as I said, we're going to have a psychologist on to talk about the, that piece of it. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of, I don't know, there's got to be a way to shift like even comments like that, that were positive, but they're still focused on body like mm-hmm. to turn them around and it be performance based or like a characteristic base. Like how about, oh, you seem fearless. You would be great at pairs. Don't you think lifts would be fun? Or mm-hmm. like, oh, um, you know, something that isn't about body size. That's hard to do all the time. That's hard to separate from a sport where a lot of the time we are, you know, we're commenting how beautiful someone's lines are, or, you know, it, it's hard to separate in a sport like skating. Um, but definitely something to be mindful of. Yeah. And not just with the female skaters too, but with the male skaters too. I know we Mm -hmm. always say with pairs, when we look at pair guys, oh, they have, you know, strong upper body and they would be great for lifting. And, and so it's not just, the females that deal with body issues, but it's the guys as well. I mean, we just don't mm-hmm. maybe hear about it as much. Um, but you know, I know that there's been comments made about, oh, he would beat me a great pair skater because he's, you know, built and he can do that. And, you know, I always wonder, well, maybe that's not necessarily the avenue they want to go in, or are they going to, you know, do they feel like that's comfortable yeah. for them to do too? So I, you know, it's, it's both, it's both it really you know, p- partners and pairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, a lot of times you get comments about guys in their height mm-hmm. and not being the traditionally tall pair guys. That's what we're accustomed to looking for when we see a pair team. And so anyone who doesn't meet that 
you know, customary height or build. I think there's a lot of commentary that goes that way too. People are very quick to say, well, he's too short or he's, his body build is not, you know, the, the slender, but strong look that we're going mm-hmm. for. Yeah. And that Gina's right. It can equally be as difficult for them as well because their brains are also developing, especially in the teenage years. Yeah, it's true. And we think, you know, stereotypically, a lot of times when we think eating disorders, you think, you know, that that's more of a female diagnosis, but it's, it's definitely not, um, you know, I can tell you from like my clinical experience working as a dietitian at a hospital, there's plenty of males with eating disorders as well. Um, a lot of times it's just not as spoken about, um, you know, it's harder for them to admit sometimes or to get help for it. So I think it's underdiagnosed. Um, but yeah, the body image struggles and, you know, resulting disordered eating um, can be can be both males and females for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, what made you decide to kind of start ICE Dietitian? You had studied to be a dietitian, but you might have not wanted to necessarily focus on skating. So what made you decide to do ice dietitian? Well, there's definitely, I feel like a, a gap for, and a need for it in the sport. Um, it was something that I knew I needed as an athlete. Um, and I, you know, starting the business, I'm kind of coming from a place of, you know, what, what would have helped uh, me and my family as I was competing? What information did I need? And I wasn't getting what resources would have been helpful to me, you know, to better understand nutrition as an athlete. Um, So just, you know, having personally experienced that and knowing that there was a gap there um, fueled that a little bit. And then the other part of it is, you know, kind of like you're talking about when you quit skating, you know, or stop competing, then what there's, you know, skating definitely leaves a hole. Um, so being able to still work with skaters and, you know, be involved in the sport and help maybe bring about some positive change, um, in a sport that I, I really love, um, was kind of another driver of that too. Um, I, when I retired from doing shows, I couldn't imagine not, you know, skating or, you know, being able to perform or, um, my partner, my skating partner for shows. And I, I joke that we've retired maybe 10 times. We always come back. Um, so it's hard <laughs> to step away from. So being able to combine the two careers, um, you know, is super fulfilling. So what do you do as the ice dietitian? Are you working with skaters and parents? Um, you know, just talk a little bit about what you're actually doing. Yeah, so definitely for, you know, younger skaters, it's important to be working with the parents and skaters together. Um, a lot of sessions will even just be parents. Um, and then there'll be certain sessions where it's the parent and the skater together and we're going over nutrition education. Um but it's a process. A lot of nutrition has to do with behavior change. Um, you know, our nutrition habits and how we eat, why we eat, what we eat, those are all, you know, ingrained as habits. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, behavior change um, that goes into 
you know, making any sort of those adjustments. So um, when I work with someone, I generally like to work with them for at least three months. So we have time to really, you know, assess where any gaps are in their diet, what their training schedule is like, um, you know, really look at the skater as a whole, like what injuries, what's your past with injuries, any, you know, other medical concerns, things like that to really evaluate their diet. Um, and then everything, you know, no two people are the same. So everything, there's no one, you know, one size fits all nutrition plan for skating. It's going to look different for everybody. Um, and people's, you know, access to time to meal prep or their schedules, you know, that's all individualized too. So that's something I really help, um, you know, especially the parents with kind of managing how to fit in the proper nutrition when you spend, you know, four hours a day in the car going to and from practices or off ice workouts or things like that. Um, not everybody has the time or wants to meal prep and that's fine. So, um, I kind of take a all foods fit approach. Um, you know, there's no good or bad foods. Um, you know, there's a way to fit in foods that you like and make sure you're still meeting your needs. Um, you just have to be really, you know, mindful about making sure you're eating enough and making sure you're eating, you know, what your body needs for recovery and to make sure you have enough energy for, you know, your training because you're really asking a lot of your body. It's a really demanding sport um, to fall and get up again and keep falling. I mean, I can't really, there's not many sports <laughs> like that. Um, so the nutrition really needs to be, you know, on point there to be able to sustain that and not get burnt out as a skater or be continuously battling injuries. Do you have different plans for the skaters based on their level of competition? Like, are you working with some of the parents of the younger skaters, like juvenile, intermediate, and novice, or is it just like junior and senior? No, and we, you know, we work with all levels. And what's great about starting young is that hopefully the nutrition education and building a positive relationship with food and learning what your body needs from, you know, those earlier levels. Um, you know, hopefully that has kind of a protective factor as you go through the sport um, for those issues that come up with, you know, body image or, you know, the, you know, temptation to fall into kind of restrictive eating patterns. Um, so yeah, younger level, lower levels, um, it's definitely ideal to start then um, and work with the parents. But also on the other end, there's um, higher levels of skaters who maybe are on, you know, living on their own and it's busy growing up as a figure skater. Not many people have time to learn how to cook. Um, there's a nutrition education gap there as well. Um if you, you know, haven't invested your time into learning about nutrition or learning how to cook or prepare foods for yourself. And um, that's a big need as well, too. I like your approach that no food is, is bad or basically mm -hmm. that you can fit things in. Because I think when anyone hears the word dietitian, they think diet and restriction. And not everyone, yeah. but anyone could. That's what that they could take from it. Mm -hmm. And that's very difficult to get through, especially if you're a teenager. 
or it young is adult. hard. Like a lot of times they won't want to tell me what, you know, what they're eating because they'll think I'll say you can't have that or, oh no, you can't, you can't have that before you skate. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely not the food police. I like to, you know, work realistically with what, you know, what someone likes and what they need. So there's a way to fit it all in, um, and make sure you're giving your body what it needs to meet your skating goals. And also you're taking your new, your nutrition, um, like what you learn about nutrition and how you take care of your body. You take that with you after you're done being a skater. Um, so kind of all the healthy habits you can set and the more, you know, about what your body needs, when it needs it, how to give it to it. You take that with you when you're done skating as well. Yeah. Cause nutrition isn't just, you know, for an athlete too. I mean, mm-hmm. I would love to have, you know, someone to help me guide <laughs> me along on what I should be eating and what I should not be eating. And I'm not a competitive skater. Um, one question I had was, are you finding a lot more skaters taking the route of being vegans or vegetarians? I was just kind of curious. I know like Megan Duhamel is very big on being a vegan. Has that been something that you're seeing a trend in that skaters are kind of going in that avenue with being either a vegetarian or a vegan? Yeah. And I, I mean, I've seen it too with my, you know, clinical patients as well. There's definitely a big interest in being, you know, more plant-based, even if you're not going fully vegan or vegetarian, just looking for more of those like plant-based protein options, um, which there's definitely a lot of health benefits. Some more, you know, research shows us time and time again, you know, the more plant foods you consume, it's protective against so many diseases, um, and there's, it can be a little bit trickier and take a little more planning, but there's definitely ways to get in, you know, plenty of protein just on plant foods. So that's something that a lot of people will have a concern like, oh, I, I feel like I'm going to, I want to eat vegetarian or vegan, but the protein or, you know, my coach is worried about me getting enough protein. Um, you know, that's actually pretty easy to fit in with a vegetarian diet. Yeah, I was just what? always curious, you know, mm-hmm. kind of curious because you see a lot more like Megan Duhamel is just one that I think of because she's very outspoken about being a vegan. Or, you know, mm-hmm. she's raising her daughters to be vegan and she's I think she might have a blog about that. And, and I know some other skaters are, you know, have mentioned, you know, being a vegan or vegetarian. So I didn't know if that was something you were seeing more with skaters. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I wouldn't say I've personally seen, you know, a huge trend, but um, yeah, there's. What is something that you're, you've learned through working with the parents that maybe they were surprised to learn or, or just, you know, what are some takeaways that you've had from working with parents? It's, I definitely feel like it's, you know, hard to be, you know, a parent of a skater and trying to make sure they get everything they need in the sport. There's, especially if they're not, you know, familiar to the sport of skating, it can be overwhelming um, to have, to find out that they need, you know, multiple different coaches or even like figuring out 
you know, how the testing and the competition routes, there's just so much to learn, right? So a lot of parents are kind of on overload almost from all of that, that, you know, trying to manage nutrition is just adding to that overwhelm. Um, So that's where I think it helps to kind of meet with somebody that can sort through some of that. I call it like nutrition noise that's on the internet um, because that's another issue. There's so much, you know, different nutrition information out there. Not all of it's accurate or helpful. Um, But yeah, sorting through that and helping them realize it doesn't need to be complicated. Um, I think they're, you know, overwhelmed trying to make sure they're doing right by their skater you know, skating is a big investment, you know, making sure they're, um, you know, getting the most out of those expensive ice sessions and lessons and fueled for that. Um, yeah, it can be overwhelming as a parent and I can help kind of simplify that and break it down and kind of come up with a manageable plan, um, to make sure their, you know, their skaters getting what they need. Well, now that we have the wonder of zoom and other virtual platforms this must allow you to work with families that are not like located close to where you are yeah yeah my whole practice is virtual which is nice Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's something that's come out of the pandemic is a lot of us spend a lot more time on zoom and virtual platforms and we Mm -hmm. realized i think as a whole there's a there's a big world out there, but we can also have a much bigger reach from mm-hmm. the comfort of our living rooms. Yeah. And I think it's great. I There's a, a skating club, not a club, but there's some coaches in New Jersey who started doing online classes during the pandemic, and they're still doing it because yeah. it was so popular. And they're able to reach a bigger audience and... So I think um, for you to be able to offer all of this virtually mm-hmm. just makes it so accessible that it's really a win-win. Yeah. I mean, parents can be on a session with me while they're waiting for their you know, skater to finish up their ice time or sitting in the car, not driving, of course. But no. <laughs> I mean, my mom spent a lot of time while I was skating in the car, reading a book, um, I mean, we lived uh, like an hour and 40 minutes away from the rink. So she couldn't just drop me off and take me back. She was stuck there for the the whole time I was training. So she probably got a good you know, amount of reading in. But yeah, it's a great thing about these platforms. You can, you can meet from anywhere. It can be really convenient and join from your phone. Yeah. So what do you think having, I know you just started um, the ice dietitian, what what have you discovered so far? What are the biggest issues do you think? Is it misconception about food prep or um, old ways of thinking that people are still stuck in and they need to kind of learn how things have evolved? What's what's kind of sticking out? A lot of skaters just aren't, you know, eating enough or, you know, it it's not always anything super profound, um, even like missing breakfast. Um, for example, doesn't seem like a big deal right off the bat. Like, so what I, I missed breakfast, I have the rest of the day, but I mean, if you're training for five hours a day, however long you're training, 
Um, and then as you get close to when you want to train, you don't want to eat a big meal because you're going to get on the ice. You don't want to feel full. So they're eating a light lunch, maybe, maybe not snacking during ice makes or in between sessions. And then are exhausted by the time they get home and aren't really either they're eating in the car. They're not eating a big dinner point is like missing that one beginning meal. You know, you're not going to be able to make that up elsewhere. And when you have you know, to get in a certain amount of energy to fuel what you're doing, you really can't afford to be skipping meals because you're not, you're just not going to make it up the rest of the day. So even simple things like that, getting in breakfast, making sure you're packing, um, you know, snacks in your skating bag so that you do have something appropriate to grab in between sessions, um, you know, not waiting until you're feeling hungry. Um, just know that you need to refuel in between sessions and being really diligent about it. Um, you know, it can be really simple things like that, that actually make a really big difference. Yeah. I see a lot of skaters when I go to the rink and I don't, they're, you know, the skaters are not elite skaters by any means, but coffee (laughs) tends to be the thing they bring to the rink. And I'm always kind of wondering why knowing that that's probably not the best choice. Um, but it's, I'm guessing the quick thing that they stopped on their way, grabbed a cup of coffee at Starbucks or something like that. Are you seeing Mm -hmm. a lot of that sort of thing? Just quick fixes and and, caffeine, caffeine fixes. Yeah. Quick fixes for energy that really, you know, they're not going to serve in the long run. You're still going to be dragging by the end of the session. Um, So yeah, the, you know, the quick fixes like that while they're convenient, um, you know, it's not, it's not giving your body what you need still. So yeah, I do see a lot of that and I'm guilty of that too. I mean, I, um, you know, in the beginning of doing shows, I would just fuel up on caffeine and coffee, or, um, I had a a diet Mountain Dew phase. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where, you know, I felt like as long as I was just caffeinated enough um, before a show, I didn't need to eat, um, which did not work out well. I you know, was injured a lot. I was dead at the end of a show day. I had no energy. Um, so yeah, it, you know, just kind of the band-aid for energy. Um, it's kind of just, it's tricking your body into thinking you're you're awake. It's not really doing anything to provide fuel to your muscles or your body. Um, you know, it's tricking your, your brain into being more alert. Yeah. And I think we, when we get into that mode and think that, okay, as long as I'm awake, I can do this. I can trick myself mm-hmm. by drinking the caffeine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I'll be fine. I mean, even I have a regular like office job but I'm able to work from home there are days that I rely on caffeine to wake me up but it doesn't sustain me like mm-hmm. the caffeine is okay in combination with something else yeah with my breakfast but it's not okay on its own because it's not meant to be a long-term sustaining food item because it's just not yeah yeah it has no energy in it Um, and it's been kind of like normalized as a meal or snack. Coffee is not a meal or snack. (laughs) No, no, 
it can help you get over the hump, but it's mm-hmm. not meant right. it's not meant as a long term solution. Mm-hmm. It's meant for a temporary fix. <laughs> yeah. It's like people um I have a friend that relied on like Snickers. Like they would eat a Snickers if they had to go do something like <laughs> in the evening and I just was like now that I can get behind a little more than the coffee, at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least you're I, getting some calories. But. Yeah. Yeah. I think, if, again, though, I think it's a temporary thing. I think mm-hmm. it helps you for only so long. Yeah. Um, I think it's not long term. Um, you have to think about those building blocks and mm-hmm. not just nutrition as a building block, but the building blocks within nutrition that can help. By putting mm-hmm. together the right foods and making sure you get what you need. Yeah. You know, what combinations of food, and this is what, like, I teach the athletes and the parents, like, um, you know, I'm feeling, you know, not hungry, but I have a session, you know, I have two sessions to get through. Well, here are some options that, you know, will give you energy. Um, they're quick to eat. If you're short on time, you can keep them in your skating bag. Or, you know, what combinations of food to put together to, you know, eat the night before skating to kind of refuel and prepare for the next day, um, replenish like the energy stored in your muscles. Um, you know, once you know what your body uses these nutrients for um, and kind of how they're helping you, it can be kind of fun to put together and you can kind of piecemeal um, your meals and snacks together based on, like you said, building blocks of these different, you know, nutrient categories. So what do you think are the best ways to promote these healthy habits? Because like you have started Ice Dietitian, you're working with families, any of our listeners out there who some of them I know are skating parents, what are some real quick takeaway healthy habits or ways that parents can support their skaters um, that they can take away just from listening to the podcast. Yeah. Um, overall, you know, making sure you're eating enough, um, you know, all of the other fine tuning isn't really going to matter unless like you are eating an adequate amount of calories, um, and fueling adequately for, you know, the activity level that you're trying to keep up with. So that's kind of the foundation, um, making sure you're eating enough. Um, and we kind of work to evaluate that, but, um, some things to look for to, you know, see if you're getting enough, like, are you overly fatigued? Like, are you having a hard time, um, you know, recovering from a session? Are you like continuously sore longer than you feel like you should be sore for after a workout? Um, are you kind of moody and irritable? Um, like a lot of things like that, um, can be, can be clues that overall the energy intake isn't enough. Um, so packing, um, you know, snacks to have before skating. Um, I always, you know, advise keeping a few non-perishable type things in the skating bag. Um, if you're packing a lunch still, that's great. Still keep stuff in your skating bag in case someone forgets their lunch bag. Um, just kind of like plan ahead for, you know, plan A, B, and C to always just have something available um, and making sure they're getting a good source of carbohydrate before skating. Like 
in the, you know, one hour before getting on the ice, having some source of carbohydrate, that's the main fuel for your bodies. And a lot of people shy away from carb intake. They um, do. It's gotten a really bad reputation. Um, but carbohydrates, those are the, that's a preferred source of fuel for your body. That's what your muscles need. Um, it's a preferred source of fuel for your brain. Um, it's really important. So skimping on the carbohydrates um, is definitely going to impact performance. So like fruit, fruit's a great source. Like the closer you are to skating or having to exert energy, kind of the simpler you want that carbohydrate source to be so that your body can absorb it and you know your muscles can use it as quickly as possible. Um, so we're not looking for like complex carbs close to skating, like your whole grain pasta or things like that. You're looking for, you know, quicker absorbing carbs. So, you know, fruit's a great source, um, you know, uh, a Gatorade that has sugar in it, which people sometimes are scared of. Like they want the, the sugar-free Gatorade, Gatorade zero. Which if you're going to eat something with that, that's fine. But, you know, that was formulated to be an energy source during sport performance. The sugar is in there for a reason. It's for fuel. Um, so it could even be, you know, a liquid source of carbohydrate. Um, but just making sure you have something in there to fuel your, fuel your muscles. And if you're skating multiple sessions, you know, refuel again, you know, fuel, refuel, you know, be <laughs> proactive about it. Um and, you know, don't wait till, you know, it's the third session of the day and you're, you're running on fumes, um, you know, cause that's where things can get dangerous. Your, your brain is foggy. Your brain's also unfueled. It's hard to concentrate. You can make silly mistakes. It's slippery out there. Um, you know, that's when you're really prone to injury too, um, from, you know, kind of silly mistakes. Well, Katie, we really appreciate you coming on and talking mm-hmm. with us about this because I think it's so timely and it's something that as you've said today is much simpler than it need it, it it seems more complicated than it needs mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm. and I think breaking it down like we have in this podcast and just talking about it um just can go a long way to helping folks realize that it doesn't have to be so complicated yeah um, so we really appreciate you coming on. Can you let folks know where they can find you on social media or website or wherever? Yeah. So um, they can find me at Ice Dietitian on Instagram. And I also just um, started everything over on Facebook, too. So you should be able to find me in both places under that same name. Or um, you could email me at icedietitian at gmail.com. Excellent. Put that all in our show notes so that people know where to find you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much for having me. Well, we're looking forward to having you come on in a future <laughs> episode so we can talk more about how things are going with everything at Ice Dietitian and what you're learning, because I'm sure that since it's still new, there's a lot that you're going to be learning over the next year, especially. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm hoping to have some other, you know, resources and, you know, materials available, different ways people can, you know, get nutrition education and hopefully be launching a couple more, you know, ways to get that soon. Awesome. Well, you know to tag us because we will (laughs) amplify it on our podcast 
Yes. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So Katie has told us how to reach her. Gina, can you let folks know where they can reach us? Well, you can find us at our website. It's thisweekinskating.com on social media at the site formerly known as Twitter at this WK in skating and then Facebook and Instagram. It's this week in skating. We're also on threads. We love your feedback or your questions. You can reach out to us on social media or email us at thisweekinskating at gmail.com. And with that, we've reached the end of our episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And you've been listening to This Week in Skating. Have an ice week! <laughs> <laughs>